Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. If you'll open your Bibles to Psalm 67, we've been in the Gospels for the last few weeks. And usually on Wednesday nights, we're in the Gospels or Psalms. I've been spending some time in the Psalms, and I wanted to share this with you. It's this is a short psalm. Let's read the whole thing together, and then we will, uh, I'll make some comments on it. Beginning in verse 1, it says, God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. The first thing I want you to see, well, the first thing I want you to see is verse 1. God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause, God, be merciful to bless us, merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. This is a uh, selfish prayer, according to some people. Uh, There there are some people, and I'm not kidding, I, I, I don't remember when I shared this, it seems like it was recently, but everything... You get old like me, and uh, things kind of jumble together. If it happened the last five years, it happened last week, as far as I'm concerned. But there was, uh, do you remember the, the prayer of Jabez thing? Remember, we were talking about that pretty, pretty recently for some reason, weren't we? Weren't we? Yeah. Prayer of Jabez. Uh, it's just kind of one of these obscure, it, it's buried in an obscure passage of Scripture, you know, a genealogy. And then it mentions Jabez, who said, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, yada, yada, yada. And it's this... And, and I remember that it, this little, I, I think like I mentioned, a little cottage industry grew up around this. Uh, Bruce Wilkerson wrote a book, The Prayer of Jabez, and uh, it, Wilkinson. And uh, it was all about this prayer and, and what a powerful prayer it is. And it was God's, it was just this, this guy, Jabez, in the Old Testament saying, bless me, bless me, enlarge my territory, right? And uh, it just, and... It's just such a neat thing, and, and uh, people began to realize, uh, largely, but not completely, through the influence of this book, that, you know, it's okay to ask God to do things for you, to protect you, to bless you, to enlarge you, and, and there, there was a backlash against this. Somebody wrote a prayer called the Prayer of Jesus, as if Jabez himself wasn't in the Bible, because the Bible commends Jabez. It says he was more noble than his brother's. And he prayed this. There are people who are like, you're not praying unless you're praying for the nations. You are not praying unless you are praying for the poor. Uh, Beth and I used to joke, uh, we'd go to uh, her family's house for uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas, and I'm not putting her family down. She's got some great family members. Great family. We love being there. But but they they are uh, very, very involved in church for the most part. And uh, whoever prays over the meal... I never like to pray over the meal because I feel like I got to do stuff to stay in the game that I normally wouldn't do. 
if, if, I'm, if I'm praying over it with my family, you know, uh, because they pray for the nations, they pray for the poor, they pray for those who have less, they pray, and I'm like, holy cow, you know, do you guys have a prayer life outside of praying for the meal? Because this stuff's getting cold. The, you, do you know what I mean? It's like, well, we can't just thank God for what he's doing for us because that would be selfish. So we've got to pray for all the people who don't have everything we have. So what? So I can enjoy my meal with a side, side dish of guilt, right? And that's not what it's like. It's really not like that. I'm speaking in general terms, I, all right? I'll talk to you later, baby. But this this idea that it's not okay to pray unless you're praying for something completely other than for God to do something for you is not biblical. And this, this psalm starts out with, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. This is a bald-faced prayer for God to do good things for us. But I would like to point out that it's us not me. This is God's people the psalmist is referring to. He's talking, he's, we're talking of, in this case about the Old Testament nation of Israel. God, we are your people. Bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us. Cause us to succeed. Cause us to walk in your protection, your provision, etc. And this is biblical, and it's right. There is nothing wrong with that. And there's certainly nothing. It's, it's hard to level the, uh, the accusation of selfishness when it's this compound idea here. The uh, compound with preposition, right? Or no, 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 pronoun. Sorry. Laura, come on, help me out here. You with the, the grammarian uh, posts, right? Uh, the... And and by the way, I would say, you know, going back to Jabez, there's nothing wrong with saying, God bless me. There's nothing wrong. God loves you as an individual. But this particular psalm is talking about God bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us, your people. And then the very next verse, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. This is one of my favorite themes in Scripture. When you go back and you read in Deuteronomy, you read in Numbers, you read about the, the, starting from the Exodus, when God brings his people into the land of promise, how God's plan, well, seriously, going back all the way to Genesis, you know, I will bless you, I will make you a blessing, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is God's plan. God loves everybody. And some of the Jews got it, some of the Jews never got it. But as a whole, they didn't. We know that from Scripture. But God had a plan to invite all the people of the earth into his family, into his will, into his covenant. Right? This prayer here, this psalm, you bless us, God bless us, that God would bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth and your salvation among all nations. This is an Old Testament prayer. And I want you to see, and again, there were certainly Old Testament Jews who never got this idea that God loved everybody. In fact, one of the, as, a, as a nation, 
one of their national sins was this idea that God loved only them and hated everybody, everybody else. And therefore, I think, well, I know that we see it in Scripture. I think they had this, since they had this idea that God loved them and hated everybody else, they could do whatever they wanted. And that's why they, they were so lazy with keeping the law, idol worship, all these other things. Yeah, because we're, we're Jews. We're God's people. We, got, we, got, uh, we get a pass on this stuff. And little by little, they learned their lesson leading all the way up to the captivity. But I would like to contrast at least this psalm with New Testament Jews, because we've been reading a lot about them in Acts and in Romans. And you know, you remember how offended they were with the very concept of preaching the gospel to Gentiles. Even those who were, had, had made Jesus Christ their Lord, who had acknowledged Jesus was the Messiah, or were at least considering it, were offended at the idea that this could be that this way was open to anybody but them. They loved Jesus. They were impressed by Jesus. They acknowledged that Jesus was who he said he was. But this idea that, wait a second, he's not just our Messiah, but the, the Messiah of the whole world? No. That's why there's so much written in Paul's letters and other places that there is no Jew nor Greek, nor slave, nor free, nor man, nor woman in Christ Jesus. So we've got this beautiful passage here, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Tying that in with the first verse, bless us, make your face to shine upon us, so that your, way, your, your ways may be known upon the earth, your salvation among all nations. It goes back to something we've talked about many times, the whole idea was that God would so manifestly bless his people that the nations surrounding Israel would look at them and say, what do they have that we don't have? What is it about them? We need something. What is the secret? What's the secret? They're worshiping the one true God. I think there's a direct application to us today when we ask for the blessing of God. There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, bless us. There's nothing wrong with saying, bless me. Bless me, bless us. But bless me and bless us so that the people around us can see just how you treat your people and that they can know your salvation just like I can. I don't know what is at the root of this, this, uh, this idea that, oh no, no, it's, it's salvation only for us. Uh, but it's part of it at least, part of the root of this at least, is the idea that God is limited. There's only so much blessing to go around. Uh, and, of course, the psalmist here knew better. Uh, God is unlimited. He's infinite. He has enough blessing to bless everybody and then some. And the more the merrier. So we read on in verse 3, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. We spent a couple weeks uh, very, very recently in Matthew 24 talking about the last days. And again, this is not one of my strengths when we talk about eschatology, last days stuff, the end of the world. Uh, it's not something that, is, it, that I'm really, really up on. But we did spend some time talking about 
the millennium, the millennial reign of Christ, and how there are some believers who believe that Jesus is only going to come at the end of the millennium, and that we, even that we may be in the millennium now. And the whole idea is that we are to usher in the kingdom of God, uh, that through the Spirit of Christ, we are to usher in an age of justice, an age of equality, an age of prosperity that will set the stage for Jesus to simply come and inherit the kingdom that we have walked out or worked out. Okay? And I get it. It's very attractive. And there, there's, there's more to it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be entirely dismissive of it. I, I, totally, I disagree with it doctrinally. You understand? I'm, just, I'm not trying to uh, disparage people who believe this because some of the people who believe this are working very hard for social justice and against poverty and things like this. Uh, I just think it's a fool's errand if you think you're going to solve this problem before Jesus gets back. And, and I, I think I made that point pretty clear during the couple weeks we talked about this. But when he says, uh, you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth, I really do believe that this is a reference to a future time. There will be a time when Jesus will justly govern and rule the earth. And the psalmist's cry here is, let the people be glad now. Let them praise you now. Because you will come and rule this entire earth someday. In fact, let me read on here for a second because this is connected in verse... uh, In verse 5, it says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. It's kind of the same thing. We've talked a couple times about how there's, when we talk about poverty, lack, hunger, that the problem is not there's not enough food on the earth. The problem is there are bad governments and the distribution system is completely a mess there's plenty of food to feed everybody on earth and then some and then some it just doesn't get to the right places because of bad human government but when the lord rules righteously and justly and governs the nation on earth uh, governs the nations on earth uh, then the earth uh, shall yield her produce yield uh, give her produce is another translation there there's a, there's a connection there, I guess. I would say, say it this way. Justice yields abundance. When we have just government, there is abundance, manifest abundance for everybody. And this is where, I, again, I would differ with certain uh, believers who have a different, different idea of the millennium, different idea of the end times. I don't think that time is going to come. I do not think we are going to see everybody on earth enjoying uh, a manifest supply of all their needs until Jesus comes back and begins to rule and reign here on earth. Okay? And I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. And I think most of you agree. Uh, And it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be struggling between now and then. It's just that there are problems that exist on this earth that are always going to exist somewhere on this earth until Jesus 
sets his foot down on this earth again and takes over. Meanwhile, and this is important. Let me, let me back up here first. The, 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 the key here is that we don't, our call is not, I'm, I'm not saying, I hope you know me, know me well enough by now to know that I believe in the uh, democratic process. I believe in being involved. But we are never going to fix government. We're never going to fix the United States government, let alone the governments of the nations. It's not going to happen. Uh, and I, when I say we, I don't mean we as Americans. I mean we as believers. This world is broken. Uh, and uh, sinners are always going to be part of that mix. We are not going to get everybody saved before Jesus comes back. And there will, always, there, will, there will always be people who are hostile to our belief system in the halls of power worldwide. So we don't fix government and, and the rule of the world first. And then Jesus comes back. Okay, we do what we can. We do what we're supposed to do as believers. And then Jesus comes back and fixes everything. And then only when Jesus gets back do we get to see what this world is capable of. How many people it's capable of supporting. Just how easy it is to feed everybody. Just what kind of abundance is available it, once you remove human greed and fear from the equation of government. All right? Meanwhile, now let me continue here. Meanwhile, uh, those who come to Christ before Christ comes to earth. Those who come to Christ before Christ comes to earth get to enjoy his justice, his rule, his power, his favor, his provision, his healing, his kingdom. Now. Please understand this. There is a big difference. We are not going to save the world before Jesus gets back. Apart from the return of Christ, this world is doomed. But the power of Christ is still great. And where the power of Christ reigns, for instance, in my life, in your life, in our life, we can experience his provision, his protection, his healing, his abundance. And people can still see what they were supposed to see, like the psalmist talked about. They can see God's favor on us. They can see his face shining on us. They can see his manifest blessing in our life. And that will cause them to say, I need what they have. They don't fear like I do. They don't sweat like I do. They don't... Uh, they don't need like I do. We are supposed to be manifestly provided for in all of these areas so that the world can see and turn to him. And this is, this is going to happen. Individuals will turn to him. Families will turn to him. And in a sense, nations will turn to him. But the world as a whole will not recognize him as Lord until he's here and in charge. This is the walk of faith. That right in the middle of things, no matter how bad they begin to look, and we've talked about this too, in some ways this world is getting darker and darker. But depending on how you measure it, life is getting better and better. Fewer people as a percentage are starving to death 
or dying of diseases. There are things that we are doing better as a human race. And as I mentioned not too long ago, Christians are at the root of almost every one of those things. Education, medicine, agriculture, you know, things to feed the world. It's the Christian that has led the charge in so many of those areas. But the right-thinking Christian knows that this is, we do this because of the essential dignity that God has placed in the heart of every human being, in the, in the being of every human being, and because Jesus has commanded us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But he's also warned us we are going to be persecuted until he comes back. How can, how can the idea that we are going to institute the kingdom of God before he come back, comes back, how do we square that with the idea, with, with the very statement of Jesus? Will the Son of Man even find faith when he returns? If things are going to get so bad that people are going to be abandoning the faith. We're going to be challenged. Now, what's the answer to that question? Will the Son of Man find faith? Yes, he will. He's going to find it here in St. Joseph. He's going to find it here at Living Word Family Church, right? Is he going to find it at your house? He's going to find it at my house. And praise God, this is a good thing. Those of us who know him now can experience his kingdom now. But I want you to understand, when I say you experience his kingdom now, I do not mean heaven on earth. That phrase bothers me. I know it shows up in a song here and there. Heaven is heaven, and earth is earth. His kingdom is his rule, his governance, his authority. And under his authority and under his kingdom and his rule, there is safety, there is protection, there is provision, there is healing, there is abundance, there's victory. But it is in the midst of, of a world that continues to go to hell. Heaven isn't like that. Heaven is the physical, again, manifest presence of God, the complete rule of God, without, uh, we've talked about this before, without, we've been redeemed already from the punishment of sin and from the power of sin. In heaven, we are finally free from the presence of sin. Here, we enjoy the reign and the rule and the kingdom of God in the presence of sin. And I'm not just talking about around us. I'm talking about in our flesh. Praise God, when we're in heaven, it's going to be in glorified bodies without sin even in our flesh. We can't even imagine that right now. But... What God promises us for right now is still a good thing. Stand up with me. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.